the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We know that if the earthly tent we live in, that's our body, is destroyed, that's when we die. We have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. So uh, it's giving us, a, giving us a very clear description of, of who we are when we are in Christ. Meanwhile, okay, meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, meaning we're not there yet we're not in our glorified state yet and we're not in heaven yet but we're anticipating it the word groaning there is is not a bad word it's not like in pain but it's a longing it's a desire it's an intense desire because you know heaven's coming you know that you're going to have a, a a glorified existence with god one day we know that as christians so we groan longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling because when we are clothed we will not be found naked so what does that imply imply that you know it implies that here on earth we are often defenseless you know we're, we're defenseless against the things that happen I mean, humanly speaking, you know, we're, we're still unable uh, to fight, you know, certain things physically, you know, uh, certain, certain things that happen, bad things that happen. Uh, for while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Underline, meanwhile, we groan. Longing to be clothed in our heavenly dwelling. Every sorrow, every pain to a Christian is not a groan of helplessness or hopelessness. It's a groaning for heaven. It's a deep sense of longing. That's why every Christian must develop that longing in their life. We need to be, to be people who are developing a longing for heaven. Okay? Uh, we need to be doing that. You know, I, as a pastor, I've been into many, many deathbeds. Many, many deathbeds. More than I can, I can count. And in every instance, those people who are in the, in the verge of dying, who, has, who, who have had a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, you can see the peace in them. They're still groaning in pain, literally, physically. But there's that sense of this is the final road. In fact, my, my, my aunt, uh, Pastor Edward's mom, you know, we visited her just, just literally just maybe hours before she passed on. And she was talking to the nurse and she was saying, uh, Calvary. You know, she was murmuring the word Calvary, Calvary. And the nurse didn't understand what she was trying to say. So, so I kind of explained to the nurse, oh, she's referring to the, to the Calvary where Jesus was crucified. And, and my aunt says, yes. She said, this is the final cross that I have to bear. Okay? 
she passed away after that. Where do people get that kind of confidence? Where do they get that kind of courage, that kind of boldness in the midst of suffering? It comes from knowing that God's dwelling place is with them. Her the, the dwelling place of God was with, with her all the time, all this time. And it didn't matter what she was going through. She just knew that in her heart, in her mind. Now, God doesn't always intervene in our situation, but it doesn't mean he's not present. He's pointing us to heaven. He's pointing us to something more eternal where there are no uh, hindrances to that, uh, to that relationship with him. Uh, sometimes it's good to see our frailty. Sometimes it's good to see our suffering. Sometimes um, it benefits us. Sometimes it's good to experience and go through those things so that we can say, when this earthly tent is destroyed, I have a building from God. Sometimes we need to recite that to ourselves. Not only are we made to exist and continue to exist with God for eternity, secondly, we are molded for confident experiences of God's purposes. That's why we still exist on earth. He got, that's why God still allows us to live. Okay? It's because we, He's molding us for more confident experiences um, of His purposes. Look at verse 6. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. We live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please Him whether we are at home in the body or away from it. So we can't escape this reality that we are molded to please God. We are molded to carry out the purposes of God for our lives. We are molded to be confident in that. That God has a purpose that He declared in our lives. So now, you know, those of you... Uh, uh, who have uh, messed up your life and all of that, uh, that's never too late. Come back. Come back to that focus because you as a child of God, you, you're still being molded. I'm still being molded. I'm still being built in my confidence, in my courage to make sure that I'm fulfilling God's purposes for my life. I'm just not, uh, you know, spend, uh, wasting time and, and filling up space, and neither are you. We have to have this mindset that God still has a purpose for us, you know, as long as we live. Never believe for a second that God will not permit pain and suffering in our lives, as many church people seem to think today. I mean, the focus of so much in preaching today is that, hey, you know, God's going to bail you out. God's going to increase you and prosper you and all of that. Nothing wrong with that. You know, the problem that I have with that kind of mentality, that kind of trajectory, is that it's, it, it is not uh, taught in the Bibles explicitly like that. God never has a problem prospering anybody. He even prosper your pagan friends more than you. If that were true, if God's ultimate purpose is to prosper people while they're here on earth, to make, them, to make us happy, healthy, wealthy, and all of that stuff, if that were true, okay, then I don't have to be a child of God to have all of that because I can look to people who don't even recognize anything about God, people who don't even believe in God, atheists, agnostics, and all these people, they're more prosperous than you and I are. Okay? That doesn't make any sense. But we need to come to grips with the fact that God has a purpose 
for his children. Okay? For those who belong to his household. And we need to be confident of that so we don't look at other people and say, you know, if the, if the devil is call, uh, you know, paying this person that much, you know, how, why can't God pay me that much as well? Forget that nonsense. It's unbiblical. It really is. Okay? It, it, you know, we can't, we can't possibly live our lives looking at the world and saying, you know, these people in the world are prospering and they're serving the devil. And here I'm serving God and I'm, I'm poor. Don't think about that. It's, it's, it's really an unchristian mindset. God has a purpose for your life. Whether you're not rich or whether you're rich, God has a purpose for your life. You better not lose track of what, why God put you in that place if you're a follower of Jesus. You better not lose that. You better not focus on the fact that, wow, I, I could be like that pagan and I'll show them that my God is mightier than that person's God, whoever they are. Don't think about it that way. Jesus didn't die on the cross to pit you against another religious system. Jesus didn't die on the cross for that nonsense. Jesus died on the cross to show you he is the king. The word Messiah is king. He's the only hope of anyone who exists in this world. Nobody else. There ain't nobody else coming in to die on some Calvary. It's Jesus Christ, our king. He is the king. So don't, don't, don't worry about the other people. For you and I as followers of Jesus, our mindset is upward, okay? Well, Pastor, stop talking about all of these suffering and all. Let's just talk about joy, blessing, and success. I talk about that enough. But you know, sometimes, you know, we, we focus on that so much that we forget that going to heaven, we need to use the staircase, not the elevator. If, the eleva- if, you, if you're looking for the elevator, you'll never tell anybody else that they need Jesus in their life. You'll never take that risk to, to tell our families that, hey, you know, you need the Lord. You'll never have the guts to tell your boss, hey, I am not going to work on the Lord's day. You'll never tell your boss that if you wanted to use the elevator to go to heaven. And I'm not saying you're not going to heaven if you, if you don't go to church on Sunday because you had to work. I'm not saying that at all. I'm simply saying we need to make certain stands on what we know to be pleasing to God. We need to, that's our, the main purpose of life after we get saved, after we become Christians, is to please God, to live an honorable life before Him. That's, that's it. You know, you can, we can argue about many other things, but we need to know and be confident about the purposes of God in our lives. Everything in life must point us to heaven. That's part of the Holy Spirit's ministry in our life. That's why we are indwelt by God so that we can point our hearts and mind upwards. When there's trouble, it should point us to heaven. Amen? Well, Jesus certainly performed a lot of wonders and miracles and, uh, while he was here on earth, okay? Shouldn't we expect the same thing from him today? You know, of course, God is God. He can do anything He wants. But pastor, why are you telling me that I have to go through suffering and trials in this life, even as a Christian? Why can't Jesus just give me one miracle every day after another? Why, why doesn't He just bail me out every time I'm in trouble? Why doesn't He just bless me when I'm in need? What, 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 part, uh, 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 what part does suffering and all of these trials and testing has to do? Why does it have to be mandatory for a Christian to go through this? Well, it isn't just mandatory. It's necessary. It really is. Because everything in this world is temporary. So it's necessary for us 
to face it head on, to face the challenges that we face in life. And we need to have a temporal, temporal mindset because we are headed for eternity. Nothing lasts except God's wor word. Miracles will happen today, but they won't happen. They may not happen tomorrow. Okay? Miracles are great. I'm, I'm pro-miracles. I, 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 you know, I don't need to justify that. But miracles don't last forever. Lazarus was raised from the dead. That was a miracle, but he died again. So it's temporal. Even miracles are temporal. And we focus so much on the temporal that we want God to do temporary reprieve, temporary relief of all of these things, rather than saying, God, comfort me or strengthen me by your spirit when I go through this. No, we don't invite problems. I want to say that very clearly. We don't get ourselves into trouble. We're not stupid people trying to put ourselves in harm's way. I'm not talking about that. But when we are given through to that, we, when God allows those things, when he allows us to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we should not fear evil because the Lord is with us. We just don't see. We just don't see clearly what God is doing. And so rather than questioning, just focus on who God is and where God is leading us. I remember of that story, that I, 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 illustration that I used uh, many, many times before. It's about that boy who was given this, this puzzle of the Brazilian Amazon, you know, the <laughs> thick forest. I mean, he, he, even the smartest guy will have a hard time trying to put that thing together. But this little boy took all the pieces and uh, turned everything over, and he put the puzzle together in five minutes. And they thought he was a genius. You know, How did you do that so quick? And the boy says, well, I turned everything over, and it looks like the back of the puzzle is a face of a person. And I just put the face of the person together. I put the ears, the nose, and all of that. And when I flipped it over, it, was the, it solved the, the puzzle. <laughs> It's kind of like that when it comes to the problems that hit us, okay? I mean, you, we don't see clearly because it's so troublesome, but we need to see it on the other side. We need to see it from above the sun, okay? The things that's going on above the heavens, okay? It's what matters. God knows. He's there. That's where we're going, and it's here now. We can really go through it because God's dwelling place is with us, okay? Things might look impossible right now. Things might look like they're not going to get better. They're not going to be solved. But if heaven is in us and we're anticipating that, we have more confidence in dealing what we're dealing with right now. And finally, thirdly, God's dwelling in us will be revealed as we manifest concrete evidences of God's power. Okay, concrete evidences. Okay, Christians do not falsify God's power in their life. We can't do it. It'll show up, okay? Manifestation of God's concrete power in our lives is real. It, it cannot be fabricated, okay? We, we don't, we don't uh, have um, self-induced answers to our prayers. We, we, we don't have uh, uh, manufactured miracles and blessings it it's god who engineers all of that and orchestrates all of that and his power be manifested in concrete ways in our lives look at verse 10 for we must all appear before the judgment seat of christ that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body whether good or bad since then we know what it is to fear the lord we try to persuade men 
What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. What Paul was saying here is, who we are is who we are. We don't have to fake anything. You're going to see the power of God in our lives. We don't have to act uh, a certain way uh, to prove that God's power is in us. We don't have to manufacture some kind of an act. We don't have to... Uh, go resort to gimmicks <laughs> and, 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 and propagandize the power of God in our lives. You'll simply see it. We understand that we're going to face God one day. And how we demonstrate His power in our lives is going to be the basis by which God is going to judge us. That's what Paul was trying to say there. Uh, while we await our judgment, okay, now, everybody's going to be judged. There are two types of judgment in the Bible. I think you already know this, and we'll explain it in a little bit. Two types of judgment. There is a judgment coming to all who are believers, those who belong to the household of God, those who are inside the kingdom of God, those who are Christians, okay? There's a judgment coming to them, and there's another judgment coming to those who are not followers of Jesus, those who are not Christians, okay? So we're going to be, as Christians, we're going to be judged for rewards. We're going to be judged based on what kind of reward we're going to receive when we finally get to heaven. Okay, this is important. Don't shut me out. This is not a future reality, okay? The reward process happens now, okay? Uh, the Oscar is not going to be given before the movie is made. All right? It's going to be given after. All right? So just an illustration. So it's happening now. It's very important for us to catch this. Okay? The judgment for believers only is called the great white throne judgment. I mean, the, uh, the judgment seat of Christ, rather. I'm sorry. The judgment seat of Christ is for the believers. The great white throne judgment is for the unbelievers. Okay? So let's take a look at the judgment seat of Christ. These are four people who are saved. Let me just read very quickly. Verse 10. It says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. That's talking about you if you're a follower of Jesus. Uh, okay? I'm going to be judged by the things that I do, whether good or bad. What do you mean good or bad? Am I not supposed to do just good things? Of course you are, but last time I checked, you know, we don't always do good things, even as Christians. And I'm, and I'm whispering. So that we understand, okay? But now, in this side of the kingdom of God, you better watch out. You better not pout. You better not cry. I'm telling you why. Judgment is still coming. And, 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 and uh, you know, this is judgment towards reward. You know, it's a good judgment, okay? Um, but here's how we need to approach this thing, okay? Uh, verse 10 of 1 Corinthians, this time around. Paul writes this, by the, grace of God has by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder and someone else building up on it. But each one should build with care. That's talking about you. For no one can lay a foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, 
The builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. You, don't, you might not know what that means, but that means many people will still make it to heaven, but boy, they thought heaven was a future reality, and they wasted their lives while they were here on earth. Oh, they didn't abandon their faith in God. They still loved the Lord, but they used the elevator. They used the elevator. What a shame. Could have used the stairs. Use the elevator. Now, here's the, here's the judgment for unbelievers, the great white throne judgment. Bear with me. Revelations 20, 11 to 15. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and each person was judged according to what he, they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name w- was not found written in the book of life was thrown in the lake of fire. Okay? So that's what's coming to those who refuse the offer of God's love and grace and salvation through Jesus Christ. Now, loved ones... <laughs> Our primary evidence that God not only exists but powerful is the manifestation of of our lives here on earth. God manifests His power through us, uh, through the way we live right here, right now, here on earth. Our citizenship is in heaven, but we behave as if sometimes uh, we're not on our way to heaven. We need to behave as if we're on our way there. Uh, look at the verses again. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade men. We try to tell people this is the way to God. What does that make us? If we have to persuade men by the way we live, what does that make us? Uh, a pastor once says to me, your job is to be just a witness for Jesus. You are, we are called to be witnesses. You don't have to do anything as long as you become a witness. I disagree. I think we're not just witnesses. I think we're also evidences of God's power. We're just not a witness to God's power. We are an evidence that God's power truly exists and that this life that we're living in right now, it can be lived out honorably before God. God is the evidence. We are the evidence that God uses and God uses us uh, to judge the world, uses the way we live in order to judge the world. If God sees that your life is the same as the life of the pagan, you know, that, that wouldn't make any sense. We're called to be the light of the world. We are evidences for God's power. Now, God doesn't want to judge anyone to be condemned, but He wants everybody to be saved. And who's responsible for being a witness? You and I. How we live our lives matter to God. How we live it matters to God. How, how you sustain uh, your life. How you pursue righteousness. How I pursue righteousness. How I pursue the glory of God. How you pursue the glory of God. All of that matters. It matters to God. Because not only is God saying, oh, you're a good person, come into heaven. No, he's saying, you, you are going to be that person that a, an unbeliever here will see. Okay, God's not going to flash a bright light in heaven to convert people. He converts people through the light that he established. And Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. That's us. It matters. It matters why? Because it matters for heaven. The cliche is true. 
the only thing that you and I can take with us to heaven is another person. We need to point people to the righteousness of Christ. That's not the responsibility of every, any, somebody else. That's the responsibility of the church. We got to point people to Jesus by showing our reverence for God the way we manifest the Christian life in front of them. They must see the difference between them and us. The only way to heaven will be revealed to them. The only way heaven will be revealed to them is when they see heaven, a little bit of heaven in the way we live our lives. Well, I made it to the top by using the elevator. I did. I'm just going to, this in conclusion, I, I went there. And to be honest with you, it took the same time for me to get there as those people who walk up the stairs. But the level of appreciation from those who took the stairs compared to mine is the difference of night and day. Those who have gone through the travails of going up there had a much better, more uh, valid praise and experience than I would ever have. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.